Hello, and thanks for listening to the Mount Sinai Health Partners podcast. I'm Rob Fields, the CMO for Pop Health here at Mount Sinai. I have one of my colleagues, Ed Lucy, here, who um, does uh, has serves a pretty critical function for the entire health system, not just for Mount Sinai Health Partners. And I'll have Ed dis- describe uh, describe what he does for us. But Ed, thank you for joining us today. Sure, glad to be here. Ed, tell us um, your your official title, but uh, and we can talk about more about what it actually means. But Okay, so um, officially, I'm the Chief Administration and Contracting Officer for the Mount Sinai Health System. Um, In a very broad way, what that means is that uh, all of the payer-facing arrangements that we have between the system and the payer community, the insurance companies, the government, you know, other payers that are uh, coming to us, you know, straight from the, you know, from the uh, uh, purchasing side, will in one way or another run up through my office and through the people that I work with there. Right. Um, prior to coming, I've been at Sinai now for about five years, mm-hmm. and prior to coming to Mount Sinai, I had a similar position with the Continuum Health Partners, which was the former Beth Israel, St. Luke's Roosevelt, you know, th- that whole right. grouping that merged with Sinai almost five years ago now, believe it or right. not. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, it's been... Uh, it's been Quite a wild ride these yeah, past couple no, of years. I bet, I bet it hasn't. <laughs> and that's why I say, you know, your title as chief administrative and contracting officer, I think does little to represent the incredible importance, not just to pop health, but to the system in terms of our future strategy and, and yeah. how that drives through your office. So. Sure. I mean, it's, um, you know, when we think about uh, the economics of healthcare mm-hmm. at a sort of a macro level, if we, if you will, there's a couple of things that sort of stand out that, you know, I, I'm involved with, you know, every day, um, fortunately or unfortunately, there, there, <laughs> there we are. Um, and, um, you know, part of the message that I wanted to try to get across to the audience here is just sort of break apart and unpack a couple of those, you know, distinctive issues, which, you know, you may know a little bit about, but you may want to know right. even more about um, as we go forward. So that would be what's on my agenda. Yeah, no, that, and that makes total sense. Um, Ed, a little bit at your background before Continuum, because you've been on the payer side at one point in your career too. Like, can yeah. you talk, tell us a little bit sure. about Sure. So, between Sinai and Continuum, the last eight years uh, on the provider side, if you will. Um, prior to that, uh, a 13 year stint um, at what was Hip Health Plan of New York, and mm-hmm. then eventually through a merger, it became Emblem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, prior to that, we go back, way back into ancient history, if that's where you <laughs> want to go. Um, I spent, uh, you know, a fair amount of time actually in upstate New York um, working for a four-county medical society as their executive director. Um, and that's part of the way that I got into this. I also mm-hmm. did some teaching at uh, Binghamton University, sure, also yeah. on medical economics and that sort of thing. So Syracuse University, you know, did a little bit of that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I... You know, people have said to me, you know, how can you be on the payer side one day and then two weeks later you're on the provider side? And I say, it's just the same coin, different side. Right. So um, it's been, you know, it's been that kind of a, uh, a career for me. And, I've, uh, you know, it's been, it's been pretty great. Yeah. Um, and, in, you know, th- again, uh, I don't want to just ramble here, but, you know, people say, say to me, you know, what's the future of that whole macroeconomic puzzle for hospitals and doctors and, you know, the major provisions on the provider side, my answer usually is we're not always sure, but we know it's going to change because the current current position 
uh, is just not sustainable. The right. percent of GDP and you know what's yeah, yeah. happening yeah, and all this stuff. Yeah. You know, I give you guys an example for. So you may have seen this on television. Actually, CBS ran a special on it. It's called CAR T therapy. Um, it's a it's a way of actually altering stem cells uh, genetically, taking them out. I'm not a clinician, so I'll probably get some of this no, wrong, fine. but yeah. extracting them, genetically re-engineering them, putting them back in, and it will cure lymphoma and a couple of other right. you know, really bad cancers. Um, when I, you know, we've looked at this, you know, because we were going to have to sort of pay for it. And when you look at it, just the genetic re-engineering, nothing else besides that, is almost a half a million dollars. Unbelievable. Yeah. And you say, wait, how does that work? And is the government going to pay for that under Medicare or Medicaid? Right. Is, right. is private insurance going to pay for that? And, sure. And I just tell you what genetic, genetic engineering was. On top of that, there are inpatient stays, there's other drugs, sure. there's doctor charges. We figure one of these cases will come over and be, you know, if it's if it's less than a million dollars, you're doing pretty well. And yeah. <laughs> they're going to expand. It's unbelievable. By right. the way, they're going to expand CAR-T therapy into other diseases, you know. So it's not just lymphomas or blood cancers. It's other diseases as well, including right. solid tumors. Yeah. So it's kind of like, whoa, that's yeah. all changing. And there's an economic backbone to all of it as well. That's so right. it's like kind of like, wow, we've got to be thinking about this because... What we're doing today is probably not sustainable, so something's going to change. You know, absolutely. It, it's funny talking with students about it. Um, it, it we, this is the kind of conversation you don't ever have in medical school and residency, but talking <laughs> to folks like you that are thinking about it this way, from the individual perspective, you talk about what is the value? If I have lymphoma, what is the relative value of that therapy to me? What's well, there's limitless value. I sure. mean, it's potentially infinite value, sure. but there is a societal cost to the sustainability of this that. You know, it, it's hard to reconcile the individual value yeah. versus the societal value. We're going to have to reckon with it at some point. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think you're right, and it's not just CAR T. CAR T is the newest thing, but sure. you think about transplants and things oh of that gosh, nature. Yeah. Or, sure. Um, and there's, you know, there's really, there's just really no way to think of it over the next decade as being the same as it is today. Yeah, so, no, for sure. why did I go off on this jag? Well, I went off on it because. <laughs> Um, I wanted to I did want to let people know that you know what I'm going to talk about here today yeah, and when yeah, we yeah. finally get to the topic is probably going to be a little bit different a year from now and maybe a whole lot different a year after sure. that. So um, anyway, the that's the that's the uh, yeah. that's the intro. If um Ed, you 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 mentioned a couple times the, the the provider side and the payer side and I think physicians definitely refer to it as a it's a us versus them sort of mentality. Yeah. It always has been when yeah. I was in private practice it was definitely that way. Frankly, it didn't change much in the early days of being a system person. It was still us versus them. Uh, we have talked on the podcast before about more of the innovative partnerships with newer companies like Bright and others, but even with like the, the standards, you know, the big companies, the Uniteds, the Aetnas, the Anthems, all those. Do you see that dynamic changing, the us versus them, or is there still kind of an element of, of both partnership and us versus them? Yeah, well, it's, a, it's a great question. So... I'm going to use a very much overused kind of analogy, um, and that is that you know we have one foot in each canoe right now, mm-hmm. and we're standing on two canoes with one foot in each, and it's kind of like mm-hmm. that's a balancing act that we're trying to uh, accomplish. So in one canoe, if you will, is our regular what I call fee-for-service arrangements. Mm-hmm. You know, they call it widget medicine. Do a widget, get paid for a widget. You know, and yeah. that's what, you know, that's what, 
this the system has been like now for many many years, and right. you know obviously with tweaks and you know changes and that sort of thing. Sure. But it's been uh, a negotiation that can you know we try obviously in my shop we try to make it as collegial as possible, but it does get adversarial. It mm-hmm. does get us versus them because look we're looking to you know as as our CFO says he needs you know he needs a certain amount every year just to keep the lights on. Yeah. Uh, he has unions that whose wages right. go up and he has you know re- resource costs that go up right. and he has capital that gets you know he's he and he makes that very clear and as long as there's an opportunity to be able to sort of meet his his needs through a fee-for-service negotiation if it gets adversarial us versus them it does but then in the other canoe i mean um in the other canoe is is where i think we're going to need to head over some period of time not one year and not two years but over some period of time and that's a whole different way of thinking about what adds value to um, a payer's uh, population, um, how we as a health system uh, are separate ourselves out from um, maybe other systems in terms of the value that we actually mm-hmm. um, uh, provide to a payer and to their enrollees. So, I mean, the, the, the value proposition is one in which, you know, we, we, we sort of thrive, I think, in terms of the population health view of the world. And um, my view of it is that, yeah, one canoe is, can be adversarial, can be tough. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about that before, yeah. as we get into this. Uh, the other one is, is on the value side, and that's where we want to be more cooperative, more collegial, where we're looking sure. at you know, taking risk with providers, um, working with them in ways that you know, help them be able to sort of you know, increase their top-line revenue without it coming out of my pocket. You yeah. know, things of that right. nature are pretty... Right. Um, you know, pretty high up on the value proposition that, that we try to present. Um, so, yeah, you, you sort of get this schizophrenic thing of, well, right. I've got to get money over here, not to sound crass about it, but I've got to get that fee-for-service dollar into my system to keep it going. At the same time, I have to think about where I'm going to be in two, three, and four years and where these payers are going to be relative to their, their sense of our value to them. Um, so it's, it's a, it's, it becomes really a... Uh, you know, more of a balancing act uh, than anything else. And what's interesting is, you know, um, when we look at the contracts, you know, the dirty little secret about the work that I do yeah. is, in, and I think most of the people who are listening to this, well, maybe not, realize this, but there's no connection between what a hospital bills out to a payer and what the payer sends right. back sure. as payment in full. Um that is an entirely a negotiated process, whether it's on the value side or it's on the fee-for-service sure. side. It's people like me and people who are on my staff and others around the industry across the country who are engaged in a conversation which says, yeah, I know you're sending me a bill for $250,000, but if I pay you 100 will you take it? And right. that's really, yeah, yeah. that's what a lot, yeah, that's of, right. a lot of that stuff gets done. Um, and I've, and in, you know, you see it with a few exceptions where sometimes the ratings are completely run by the government, you know, but in many, many parts of the country, particularly here on the East Coast, sort of less so on the West Coast, um, that, that's the, uh, you know, that's the dirty little secret. It's, it's all about sort of negotiating from a position of, you know, this is my charge to, well, what would you take? And then sort of codifying that. And there's a lot of other stuff that goes along with right. it in terms of utilization management or other things that might go into a contract. But 
there's that intersection right there. Yeah. It says, okay, I know what you're charging me, but this is what I'm willing to pay, and can we figure out how to get there? Right. And, do, and then at the same time, I want to talk to you about the value proposition that you have over here as well. That's right. So, it's a collective Yeah. It's a collective book. But digging into that just a little bit, because I think there are a lot of folks that look at healthcare and feel like, in a completely sort of just cold scientific way, we should treat healthcare like every other commodity, which is essentially is a market rate that's loosely tied to cost. You know, if you're a provider of symptoms or of of a, a product, sorry, um, you you know you know what your costs are and you have a sort of specified markup that's really determined by market. What's the market willing to pay for such a product and, and enough to meet your costs? It doesn't seem like from a d- delivery side. A lot of what we do on the negotiating side is is necessarily tied to cost of delivering the product. It's really tied to the greater strategic goals. It seems like to me, and this is what I'm asking, like if I'm in my way off base here, because if if you're on the delivery side, you have other things to contend with besides your relationship with that individual payer. You have the uninsured. You have uh, you know under reimbursement from a lot of other yeah. payers, and and so you have to think about it strategically in a much bigger way than your relationship with the one payer? Is that yeah, right? I think I think a couple things about that. Um, so, yes, absolutely, there's a, there's, a, there's a landscape of issues that mm-hmm. are out there, you know, not just me talking to payer, one of the people working with me talking to one payer, but yeah. there's a, the payer usually has multiple product lines, right. some, some of which are, you know, there's sort of like a convention around some of them, oh, okay, we know where that one's going to land because right. that sort of always lands for everybody, you right. know, there's that sort of thing, that's the simple stuff. I think that what what uh, that landscape of other things uh, leads to is a you know a reliance on um, the payer's ability to look more broadly across that landscape, as well as our ability to look more broadly across that landscape, and and really have frank discussions around where, you know, people know that they're paying X for this product line because it's it's really also supporting these other product lines and maybe also supporting the state government when it comes to Medicaid because mm-hmm. they're chronic underpayers mm-hmm. and everyone knows it. Um, and that becomes a part of that part of that discussion. I think that, um, again, if you turn and look at that population health side of things, the value that we bring more and more, the payers across the board are moving away from, I'm going to pay you this much for this procedure yeah. and uh, you're going to charge me that much and we're going to do other things in our contract that sort of codify you know what can and cannot be done relative to the uh, um, you know to that economic exchange to I'm going to put a set of measures over here and if you achieve those measures they're quality based or they may be utilization based you know there may be multiple measures over here if you achieve those measures and there's not one there's maybe seven or eight or nine of them then I'm going to allow you to. I'm going to be able to increase your rates by X amount, and it's more and more. In fact, I'll tell you a story that um, a major payer, our most major payer here in the, in the uh, Greater New York City metropolitan area, um, in our last rate negotiation, came to the table, and in the opening round, they put no kind of hard, what we call hard increase on our rates. Everything was in value. The total package was in value. Huh. Now, I'm not going to tell you that that's where it landed because we said, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I don't know if we're ready yeah. to go that far. But it's, um, I mean, our biggest payer put on the table in a three-year contract in year one, everything's tied to value. Nothing is tied to, nothing is tied to you know, a regular rate increase that right. you've been used to, used to seeing. Again, it's not where we landed, but we landed 
you know, with a much higher split around, okay, we'll put a lot into the value. We've got to give us some in the hard rate. Yeah. You know, we go through that whole thing. And, yeah. and um, they, you know, they sort of are em- emblematic, if you will, yeah. of where the entire where the, you know, payer is going. And yeah. that's, um, you know, that's part of the you know, part of the challenge in terms of the job that I do and others like me. I mean, you were doing this work in the 90s. Um, do you think that this is different? Because I always hear from, oh, this is the same stuff we did in capitation and managed care in the first go-around. I think that, um, yes, I was doing this business in the 90s, um, and, and uh, I was doing it here in New York City, um, and we did a lot of um, uh, capitation-like contracts that were based on what's in the cap and what's not in the cap, both on a professional basis and a fully capitated basis, which is kind of like a total cost of care. Did a lot of that kind of business back in the 90s. What's different here is it's not just about what's the dollar amount that gets into the cap. It's it's about what's the value mm-hmm. and what are you going to do with that mm-hmm. to improve the lives of my patients and how am I going to and how am I going to value that um, in terms of the you know the capitation arrangement that I'm putting on the table. So for example, you know you may say okay we've got a capitated deal and it comes in at X and it's fully capitated, but guess what? If these markers on the quality side are not met, we're going to take X down by one percent, and if yeah. these aren't, we're going to take it down by two percent. Right, and really sort of begin to, you know, provide for the patient experience in a way that isn't just a dollar and cents. Dollar, yeah. Back in the 90s, we could have cut a capitation deal, and we did. I mean, we did it with lots of lots of groups, you know, sometimes think about radiology or maybe physical therapy, and then sometimes with, with entire hospital systems, you know, but it was all about here's the dollar. Mm-hmm. You manage underneath that dollar, and that's going to be it. And, we, and they did it, and we did it. Now it's like maybe here's the dollar, but you know, guess you what? Do a bunch of other you stuff. Do a bunch of other stuff yeah. to get that whole dollar. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a different feeling. And you know, you know, speaking from a personal level, you know, in, in a lot of ways, the payers to say that and demand that are absolutely right. Right. They're absolutely on target. Yeah. Now we may or may not be ready as a system to get where we want to go, and that's when the negotiation comes in. That's all yeah. fine. Um, that's when I pull the clinicians in because I don't know what, yeah. what a good HBA one C rate is. You guys tell me, and, yeah. then, and then take it from there. Um, but my, my sense of things is that in the 90s, it was, you know, cut and dry. And it was about the economics. Here, it's, yeah, the economics are in there. But if you're not hitting these other markers, you're going you're gonna to see reductions. You're going to see different right. sorts of, and you're going to see us as a payer, ultimately, much less willing to do business with you in any sort of significant way. Um, and that goes to... If you're to, not performing clinically. Yeah, if you're not performing well. Yeah. So you, you think about, you know, as I know, and I know, I know you do, um, think about narrow networks and things mm-hmm. of that nature. It, it, for the payer... The narrow network is, you know, partly about, gee, can we narrow the network, focus the volume, and get a better rate? But it's also about what's the patient experience like in a narrow network if I can really get it there? And is that patient experience sufficiently, <coughs> excuse me, is it sufficiently better to be able to get people to join it and say, oh, I'm in this network, and, and this network doesn't allow me to go anywhere do anything I want, but I get everything really I need care. inside it. Yeah, right. Don't need, I don't need to go anywhere. Right. Like, this is it, you know? Yeah. So we see, you know, we see a lot of innovative thinking around that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and I'm, I know you know, Rob, that as a system at Mount Sinai, we're we're looking to be in narrow networks that have certain kinds of characteristics. With, right. with um, you know, and we've created some of our own products to do the same thing. Right. Things like Bright, you know, and yeah. there's others that are out there that are, you know, equally interesting to us. Um, yeah. But I think it's, again, it's, um, it's it's going to be a you know sort of a changing landscape for us. Yeah, no, for I sure. absolutely believe it. 
Um, and as we're as we're finishing up our time, you know, I'd like to get your perspective on um, the the Ed Lucy way. You know, you've you, you you see the trend and where it's going, as you alluded to. It is, I think, very clear to all of us that are in this business that, that we can't sustain the the former path of fee for service as a country for sure, and certainly as communities and systems. But um, you know, what what's the is there is there a you know again the sort of magic wand question the Ed Lucy way of changing healthcare in terms of trends like what what would you do where does it need to go? So, um, I I firmly believe, and I'm not just saying this because of the work I do for Sinai, but I firmly have always believed that the power of the dollar has to be put into the hands of the providers, and they've got to win or lose on it on their own, um, and that the the prospect of doing that is more and more possible. Um, I'm not sure that we're ready to do it in the way that I would do it, but I would do it on a totally capitated sort of mm-hmm. way, where you own, where as a provider or as a delivery system, you own all of it, and you are you're responsible for figuring out how to make that patient experience absolutely wonderful, and how to keep those members who are yours in your program, but at the same time, how to keep the lights on at the hospitals and mm-hmm. so forth. Um, I I believe that to be the case because I don't think that. You know, obviously, it's not going to be you know doctors pretending to be actuaries. I mean, that's not where we're headed. Yeah. But I think it's doctors knowing that if we do certain things differently than maybe the insurance company would have, knowing it because we're clinicians or because we've yeah. seen it and we say, ah, oh, this works. We should do this, and this is how we want to spend that dollar, which is different maybe than the way the insurance company wants to spend it. Right. Um, that I think that has to come back into the hands of the providers, and they have to decide. Okay, this is how we need to run these run these these operations. Um, you can you can see that work around the country. You look at Kaiser and other places sure. like that, where you know they've got the insurance function or Geisinger. They've got the insurance function and the delivery function kind of squashed together. Mm-hmm. And you know, look at their numbers; they're very successful. They do very well. And, yeah. and so, we need to be thinking about that as Mount Sinai Health System. We need to be sort of aiming for something like that over some period of time. It won't be next year. It won't be the year after that. Yeah. But over some period of time some programs and some payers are going to say, okay, we can get into global capitation with you. There is global capitation in New York City. There's a healthcare partners program that's sure. globally capped. Montefiore is globally capped for some, for for some, some uh, fairly with, with at least two major payers. Yeah. So it's out there and it exists. Um, I'm not going to say it's easy because I lived on that life, so it's not, it's not a piece of cake. It's not a yeah. cakewalk. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you can say, yeah, there are models that are out there that would do that, that would see the delivery mechanism being holding the dollars and spending the dollars in ways that made sense to them. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think that's where we want to land over some period of time. I'm really, you know, just personally thrilled to be at Mount Sinai. It just, it's like, wow, you guys are, I mean, we're really trying to do this. Yeah, and we have the support of everything from the Board of Trustees all the way through. Right. And uh, that's unusual. That's not, the, right. that's not, I mean, I can tell you from, Knowing the other hospital systems <laughs> in New York City, mm, we're kind of out in front of the pack here, yeah. uh, which I'm happy to say, you know, yeah. and that, that's yeah, fine sure. with me. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty exciting stuff, and I think that's where we need to land. I'm, I'm confident that, you know, we, we will get there. Um, I think that the other thing that we haven't even touched on today is government payers and, you know, how they've t- sort of turned the whole thing upside down. I mean, think about back before there were... Before the government, I'll, I'll stop on this note. I'm trying to prepare over time. Um, before the government, you know, sort of woke up to saying, "Wait, as it relates to Medicare, we should be paying, not, you know, just for how many bodies you get in the door, but 
how sick are the bodies that you get in the door? Mm-hmm. What a concept. And they took it. <laughs> it. It went from, you know, just saying, let's get as many healthy people as we can in here to let's get as sick as they are in here, get their acuity rated, and get the money that we're supposed to be getting to take care of that patient. Right. It completely turned it's, it on its right. head. Because now you, you want to take care of this. No, I want yeah. sick patients. And instead yeah. of sort of figuring out a way to not have them join my, you know, my Medicare HMO, which is right. what I'm kind of on, a little off track here, but what I'm talking about, um, now we say, hmm, you know, there was an old joke about, you know, you put your enrollment pr- people up on the fourth story, you know, fourth floor, fourth floor walk up if they can make up the stairs, then you enroll them. Now <laughs> you be on street level That's and right. you get the guy who's, you know, is you know, who's on the street because if they're sicker, you're going to get paid better for them. Right, so, and, and that's where you, that's who you want. You want to help the people who need it the most, right? Yeah, so yeah, they, I think so. And, and the, the incentives are aligned. And I bring out that example because, you know, the power of the government to do something like that. And then also, yeah. you know, will they over the next five years say, all right, now we're going to, I mean, we have Medicare savings programs, but even that's not fully capitated. They need to get a full capitation program for Medicare for your attributed lies, something like that comes down the road and, I'm I'm hopeful that, and I'm I'm actually certain that Mount Sinai will be a position to say that's the business we need to be in, mm-hmm. and we need to get it, we need to get into that business. And we've been preparing ourselves for several years now to get into that business. There it is. Let's go for it. Yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate your time and perspective. Um, I've enjoyed working with you and learning from your experience. So I appreciate your time. Likewise, Rob. Thank you for having me on here. And hello to everyone out there in Mount Sinai land. That's right. <laughs> And, and if any of you have uh, in Mount Sinai land have ideas uh, on future podcasts, please email me at robert.fields at mountsinai.org. Thanks for listening.